My name is Dimitri, and I'm a productivity and minimalism enthusiast. I'm Chance. I'm a philosophy and ethics enthusiast. And you're listening to the Rise Productive Podcast. The show where productivity meets philosophy. And what it means to build a better life. Enjoy the show. What is going on, ladies and gents? And welcome back to the Rise Productive Podcast. How you doing, bud? I'm doing well, Dimitri. It's been a beautiful week. We got a a surprise 60 degree day here in Chicago. Their November is being quite virtuous to us in terms of weather. Other than that, it's been a it's been a good week of rebounding off from a, a little travel week with competition last week. So just got into a good rhythm, but we're over the hump of um, a midterm wave and um, looking forward to another short week as we head to the NCAA regional meet. So that, that'll be a nice fake week of school. Looking forward to it. How are you doing? Fake week of school. I do remember how those were. Uh, another, like when we went to meets for track, I remember that I didn't travel with cross much for postseason, but I do remember during track postseason. It was, uh, it was not a real season of school. Uh, indoor conference, going to Cali, all that kind of stuff, especially during pre-COVID because uh, there was no remote like school option. So, you know, it's funny, actually, random tangent before we get into how you, how I guess I'm doing. Uh, do you remember that? <laughs> do you remember how we went to Raleigh this past year? Uh, did I tell you that AK or no AM was doing homework? And I was like, yo, what are you doing? Or not doing homework, going to class. Yeah, that would never happen in the past. And as nice as it is to be able to have that option, I, I, I simply don't do it. I, I mean, I guess now my classes are held over Zoom, but a lot more of my work has been transitioned to moving online. A lot of, almost all my assignments are online rather than anything being in person now. And even if I have the option, it's not worth it to have that level of stress at the meet. Like you you, you want to dip into both buckets. You rather just do one thing at the highest level. So I, I don't give into that. And we spend money for these guys to go and fly him out to a meet. It's like, let's focus on him doing well at the meet. This is what people remember. It's a good experience. I had a good time. Had a good time with our coach at the time. He was a goofball the whole weekend. The guys were funny. Um, and uh, I'm hoping that next week, you guys, you know, you kill it. Next time I talk to you on the old pod, shout out Loyola Cross Country. Go to the Iowa. What is it? What, what region are we in again? We're in the Midwest. Yeah, Midwest uh, Cross Country Regional held at Iowa University, um, or University of Iowa. Sorry, uh, I got a buddy there as well. Uh, I, honestly, it would have been funny if I'd like went down and visited. And dude, trust me, I would. But work is something right now. So uh, there's there's no time to think. The weekends are for taking a dang break mentally. So I would, but yeah, it's just too the the drive's far, and you know, anyways. Understandable. Iowa is not an exciting state to drive through anyway. It's corn. corn. Just corn. I'd have to go watch you guys run again. Ugh. Just kidding. <laughs> it, was a, it was a good day to go. I went on a, I went on a good day. It was, it was special. It was special for more reasons than one. Uh, it's, I, I was thinking while I was recording uh, Chance and our teammates in various circumstances, I was like, I got to find a meme way of like posting this with the content. And I was like, man, I don't have YouTube. Um, stories yet because i'm not you have to get like 10k subs to do that but at some point i'm gonna i'm gonna meme the heck out of you (laughs) i gotta figure out how they recorded there's a video of of me saying look at this stoic butte (laughs) i I gotta me i gotta meme that somehow we'll figure it out we'll we'll figure it out how have you been like i said uh it's it's been busy like i it's one of those things where i told myself leading up to this time period uh, like I should, I'm three weeks ahead on videos. I should be prepared to like, you know, just take the week off or whatever. But I just, I'm not built that way when it's like a work week. I want to, you know, I want to make a pact with you. Sounds weird. Um, outside of maybe doing a podcast, I'm going to have like four days in a row off of work or five days. Maybe I think we get like Eve, Christmas and like the, the, the Monday after off. Just, just force, just, just be on my, you know what? And be like, yo, Hey, you're not working these like four or five days. Like you're, you're doing nothing. Like there's no YouTube. You're just, you're chilling. 
just try to try to hold me accountable because I get it. I need to make myself do that. Like I'm literally three weeks ahead on videos and I have been for like two months. There's yeah, no I'll make sure you cash out. I'll make sure I'll, I'll be texting you Christmas Eve, Christmas Day. Merry Christmas. Don't do work. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Don't do work. <laughs> I mean, I better not. Like I just got a vibe, man. I think it's good to recharge. It's important to take vacations. And we had a whole episode on that if you guys want to listen to it. But um, I guess the last thing. I mean, you guys are amazing. We're having our best month ever uh, at the time of recording this. By the time it comes out, we're going to have the best month ever by, I mean, we're already way over what it was prior. And I just, hey, thank you guys so much. Leave a review if you are enjoying this as much as you are showcasing by listening. And if you're coming from my YouTube channel, thank you for coming here. Uh, also subscribe on the various platforms that we have on Apple Podcasts. Leave a review. Let us know what you guys think. Um, thank you so much for literally just being like hey this is a good show yeah we definitely appreciate all the support and uh as we pick up more traction we're going to keep up in the ante on our end too we got a lot of good content coming this way we're going to make uh, even more thoughtful methodical podcasts and hopefully the, you'll find it entertaining as you have thus far and with that we're going to get into the enthusiast quote of the week before we get in today's episode and uh the Quote for this week is from Confucius, or I guess that's the Latinized version of Kongza. This is from the analytics. He says, I transmit rather than innovate. I trust in and love the ancient ways. And this is, uh, at the time Confucius is writing, he's atypical from a lot of other philosophers where he's really just pulling ideas from the past and bringing them to the forefront. He's saying the way things were in the past that was what was best. So the way societies moved away mm. from the natural or maybe the previous order is is fallible. It's a mistake and we need to stick with the traditions that we've had. So he, in a lot of ways, Confucius does not resonate with a uh, continuously changing and mostly I would say pretty liberal or at least open to general change from tradition society. So he doesn't resonate in a lot of ways, but I think this is always a good way to counteract our abandonment of traditions. Dude, that was a great point. I think I, there's a quote that comes to mind, uh, one of the many quotes that I, I've been looking at recently. The Albert Einstein quote I like a lot is, make things as simple as possible, but no simpler. And there's something so special about how things used to be and um. So there's, it's interestingly enough, I had a professor, actually a high school teacher, I guess that's what we called teachers back in high school, uh, who was a history teacher. And he talked about how in a, in like a, I don't remember, it was like a history, not club, but history honor society meeting. He had like a whole presentation made about how the good old days actually used to suck. You know, like people had like, uh, polio and, you know, like labor laws were bad and to a certain extent. Yeah, a lot of that is correct. But I think there is something to be said about general happiness is probably down uh, in comparison to maybe older times regarding those who were free. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a lot of caveats. Those who were free and, ha and had equal rights and were like, honestly, like upper white class, really, you know, middle or upper class white people. Uh, those like, so we're talking, when we're talking about society, I mean, you know, rights of going in the right direction. So people maybe are in a, in a situation where it's like, yeah, like utility of life might be up from where it used to be. I'm always someone who's of the opinion that life utility and life circumstances have improved over time. You know, less people are poor uh, and poor means something different now than it did in the 60s. You know, like capitalism has gotten us to where, you know, we've, we've advanced society far enough. So maybe it was worth it that there's like this this wage gap difference because the poor are living better than they would be in an alternate universe where we did not go this way. So therefore it's better. I don't know if that's the real circumstance. Those are thoughts I have, but this episode is going to be about how the way that we used to do the internet is straight up better for our mental health than what we're doing now. I definitely, I want to go in on that point you were making before we get into the topic and it, it's necessary because this argument, this is the topic today is a, a topic that Dimitri has held as a strong opinion for, I would say quite a while, at least since we started living together. So about a year. And um, 
it's this underlying argument that happiness and well-being in a lot of senses is relational, not universal. So 100 years ago, no one had Mm -hmm. Wi-Fi, television, what have you, whatever amenities. And yet we continue to see people dealing with mental issues, like mental health issues, maybe because these are finally coming to the forefront of conversations. But still, there's this clear, like this taste for where people are at and it's because people aren't comparing them their socio class to what it was a hundred years ago they're comparing themselves to those above them right now so as long as continue people continue to sit in that same lower or even middle class they're not going to be happy regardless how much the the whole spectrum moves forward yeah and a discontent I'm forgetting who I'm quoting. It might be a James Clear quote. It's like discontent and dissatisfaction. It's either a James Clear or a some quote from from someone I'm forgetting. Um, Basically, you get upset at the difference between your expectations and what happens, right? And what's like occurring, what what your hope is and what occurs. And what we're having is a lot of people, I think a, a big, you know, underlying argument in this whole concept that I'm going to talk about and we're going to talk, just dive into here is the fact that due to the way that the internet is currently structured, our expectations and our hope for what we could be, you know, we're seeing more information. It's like the whole FOMO thing, the whole, oh my God, look how awesome this person's life is on Instagram. We're constantly seeing these sort of things. And then we're wishing that we were in that circumstance because we're comparing. I mean, uh, comparing is the, you know, the, uh, the, I'm trying to think of the enemy of happiness, you know, if, if, if mm-hmm. we compare ourselves to, to other things in the world that make us feel inferior, we're going to be upset. And I think the current internet, you know, is fostering that at a much worse level than it did in 2008, um, is like kind of this like weird breaking point that I have imagined in my head. Yeah. So the big argument today is in 2008, we peaked as a society in terms of social media and Maybe technology in general. I don't know. There's probably probably not technology in general, if you consider like biotech and things of that nature. But certainly with social media. I would say the utility, I would say like the utility of um, personal tech use. Yeah. Personal and business tech use. Yep, definitely. And getting into a couple of the things that existed prior to 2008 we have youtube 2005 reddit 2005 wikipedia 2001 i didn't look up when email was created but you told me that this was before 2008 i'm sure it was but when we were (laughs) researching for this episode i went through my the apps on my phone and said which apps that are somewhat like I don't call it social media, but they have a scrolling tendency. Like even on Wikipedia, there are times when I'm kind of scrolling through topics that are popular for that day and like could be like useful, could not be. Anything that has the potential for scrollability. I went through all those apps and said, which one of these actually can yield some benefit? In between these three, Wikipedia, Reddit, and YouTube that I all pulled up. I think they generally have a high amount of utility. Like there's a lot of self-help and I mean, Reddit just says an unreal amount of information on it. All of them built before 2008. All of these preceded Instagram and TikTok. So it seems that maybe we did. Maybe we really did peak in 2008. I think everything good uh, that came out pre, you know, honestly, by by the way, this is a very arbitrary number. Um, 2008 is just a specific time because i mean there was a pretty big impact in 2008 i figured it'd be a good you know stand in for like you know post the the economic crash of 08 we've kind of gone downhill in in internet utility and it's like i have this theory that's that's multi-pronged where obviously theory in the sense of i have an idea not like scientifically backed at all uh there is a lot of problems going on in the world currently that are occurring because we have algorithms. We have the advertising era that we have never seen before. I mean, we have an advertising era that is ridiculous. Anytime you go anywhere, we see 
advertisements. We see millions of advertisements a day. That's not an exaggeration. We literally see millions of advertisements a day. I mean, millions. That that's not that's not something that we were receiving before this time frame, before the very modern digitization of the world. I mean, you think about Facebook, right? They came out in the early 2000s or mid, sorry, mid late 2000s, and originally their website had no ads. And Mark Zuckerberg didn't want that because it's like, we don't even know what this is yet. We're going to ruin how cool it is that we put ads on. And then since them and all those, I mean, Google AdWords has been around for a while, but since them and other social media platforms have been putting on ads, it's just gone down to hell in my opinion. No, I definitely agree. And I think another great example of, and I think this would be, um, it's not necessarily that apps pre-2008 are the only ones that have any high utility because if you take the example of Twitter created in 2006 and yet it's very susceptible to a lot of ads and algorithms, it's not that, I mean, while I do think that the internet kind of was born and the best ideas kind of were created earlier on, but not only that, I think a lot of these better quality information apps have been riddled with the algorithm now. I mean, Twitter is just not as bad, but still riddled with ads similar to Instagram and Facebook, despite being built prior to 2008. It's, it came before the algorithm ever did, but once they started to monetize and put the algorithm onto it, it lost a lot of value in my eyes. Well, yeah, it's because there's no, I feel like this is interesting because the intentionality of, of things inherently changed once you, you implement an algorithm in anything. So a lot of people will say, make arguments and I'll bring this up later too. It's like, well, TV existed and there've been other forms of entertainment for a long time. And I will beg the question. Okay. So when in history did any of the radio or music or television programming have the ability to access your information, have an algorithm and a scientific backing, analyzing what you were basically getting dopamine hits from, and then pretty much instantaneously or within a few minutes, give you feedback and continue you down the rabbit hole that was clearly making you continue to watch. All that, and we learned this in marketing because I work in digital marketing, right? It's like you can make audiences that look like other people based on their behaviors, like behavioral-based marketing. This is the first time we've able to do, been able to do behavioral-based marketing and behavioral-based algorithms. In previous times, we we're only able to do demographics. And just for a baseline, if you try to explain it to somebody like that, it's like, oh, wow, yeah. No, we only were able to segment. We were only be able, able to be like, all right, let's put this ad on uh, this specific person, uh, or not this specific person, this demographic. Let's put beer ads on these radio shows for sports because, you know, Guys in their 40s like beer, and they also watch football, so that makes sense. But now we have the ability to, you watched videos on it. You clicked on a Bud Light ad previously. Oh, you're probably more likely to like craft, like some for some reason some craft beer comes up on your feed now. It's because they're able to respond to your behavior. The TV was never able to respond to your behavior. Exactly. Yeah, it's... Yeah, wherever the algorithm can get its hands onto an app, it seems to be the root of the issue. And um, I was actually just, when I was doing my research, I think the 2008 mark actually hits it pretty well because if you look at when some of the major social media apps started using ads, you have Twitter in 2010, I believe Instagram 2013, and Facebook. They were the first to get ads going. They started in 2007 being the, the closest to your 2008 that's estimate of the uh, the whole algorithm. Although at first I imagine, I don't know if the algorithm was born in 2007. Maybe it was still under the radar at that point, but I have a feeling that maybe it was just more of like the, the, the TV ads, like the, I don't know what exactly you would call those type of ads where I guess it's targeted ads to a demographic. Yeah, I think even even looking more at it from a YouTube perspective, the algorithm's changed a lot over time. Uh, and it's gotten smarter at the minimum. It's just gotten smarter over time. I mean, we look at 
uh, YouTube used to care more about clicks, uh, and and then it cared a lot about watch time. And watch time is probably a better indicator of what someone likes, because if a bunch of people click and watch on a video, but they only watch two seconds of it, I mean, over time, people have realized like, oh, wait a second, that doesn't. Of course, if they watch it longer, that's what they like. Let's let's do it based on more of that. And I mean, here here's something I've noticed, and this is something that never probably occurred previously. Uh, I don't want to say never, but all right. So we have a friend. Uh, former roommate, uh, NK, nice guy, great guy. <laughs> but when I remember, and you remember this too, he, I think he kind of joked about how TikTok was bad, and he didn't have TikTok. But then Instagram Reels came out, and he went from a long form content viewer who watched most of uh, what was that Law and Order SVU with you when you guys lived together in your freshman dorm. Yep to becoming an Instagram Reels guy. And I think he probably got back to being better about it, but there was a time frame where his, I don't want to say his personality changed, but his definitely day-to-day habits changed. I mean, he went from someone who would sit down with us, ask us to watch TV with him, and there was a time frame where he was just sucked into Instagram Reels. And it's like, okay, so you're taking somebody from someone who intentionally takes the time to spend a, an hour or two watching TV with friends, um, interacting with each other to then just not having as much time because he's for the same or more amount of time sucked into his phone screen that is giving him bite-sized stuff mixed in with ads. And I'm just like, good Lord, that is a change that would never have happened before all this short form content came out. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think that is another huge issue with the algorithm is that immediate dopamine hit and that short form content it just it, it back in our i think back in our parents day people were so concerned about the tv but at least it was still long form content there's a lot of garbage tv out there don't get me wrong but there's some i mean there's a lot of solid stuff that has like a good message to it and it's more than just something that can make you laugh in six seconds it's something that can actually teach you a message, teach you a little something about the world, especially if you stick to like a documentary or something. But now we have these short form dopamine hits. And the scariest thing is that not only are you really not learning much of anything from like a TikTok or an Instagram reel, but you are just drawn back in again and again. It's so different than like binging a show where the cliffhanger genuinely has something holding you in. It's just like, it's just like, Oh, like I, I want to see another one. I want to have that same little laugh again, that little dopamine hit. It's scary stuff. Well, there's two things I'm thinking about that probably, I don't want to say people don't think deep enough about I'm not saying the average person doesn't think as deep as I do. I'm just saying, I, I don't think this, this comes up cause they're not aware. Um, two things I think about when it comes to TV versus, uh, Instagram reels or TikTok. There, there is friction and barrier to entry. So the barrier to entry for, or slash friction for watching a TV show, you need to commit. Well, maybe barrier to entry is not the right term. It's like time commitment. You need to commit 30 minutes at minimum when there was TV that had ads, by the way, because let's talk about the fact that they're used, they're used to not be fast forwarding. I mean, granted, I think it was better when we didn't have that, uh, but, but you know, like when we had like 24-minute shows and the, the, you could TiVo it or whatever back in the day when you TiVo it and then play it. And now your time suck and your, so your time investment required is zero. I mean, it's, or sorry, five seconds. It's five seconds. It's the time you open your phone by looking at it because there's phase ID now and swiping up and pressing an app and seeing a short or a, or an Instagram reel or a TikTok. It's like 30 seconds versus 30 minutes. That stark contrast, huge. Yeah, that's true. I mean, if you want to talk about Cal Newport and the, the little amount of, or not Cal Newport, I guess this is James Clear, Tom Cabot's, excuse me. Um, but yeah, the, um, the lack of friction to satisfy that craving is just so small. Whereas you have to turn on the TV, you need to sit down, maybe gather your friends around the TV. Now it's just open up your phone, immediately begin swiping. It's 
it's great how we're able to reduce friction for things that don't save our time or actually do something fruitful in our lives. And yet <laughs> we can't, we can't reduce friction to build a new habit that's going to be good for us and life growing. And people don't like it when I say this. Uh, I had conversation with this people about this before and they don't like it. I feel like you vibed with it when I first brought it up because your screen time's low as heck. And full disclosure, at some point in the next month or so, we're going to do a screen time uh, decrease. We're going to make sure that we get our screen time down. I think both of us do a pretty solid job, um, but you know, mine used to be really bad, and, or especially on our phones. If... If you hear from someone, I don't have time to do something that takes 10 minutes a day. I just laugh and go, get off your phone for 10 more minutes. And they go, oh, it doesn't work like that. And I think it does and doesn't point out there are circumstances where somebody is in public, they have a lull, and in that circumstance, they can just whip out their phone and that's where the screen time gets put up. Now, they're comparing it to like, oh, well, I don't have time to go and take the 10 minutes to do said thing because, you know, obviously, if I dropped and did 100 push-ups in public, that's weird. Uh, but it's not weird to do that with the phone, right? So there's a mental barrier there and there's a, there's a friction point of, I'm not going to do this in public. It's weird, but we have normalized whipping out our phone and not being present in the world. So it's not weird. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. The whole, like, this is a tangent, but I think in our society now, the whole like awkward elevator cover like uh, interactions oh and those little oh like lull moments where we're just immediately picking up our phone rather than just sitting there and talking to someone or maybe taking in the environment around us i think there's a a real lack of awe seeking and like moments of grace in our society where we're able to see something beautiful or have a meaningful interaction that resonates with us and maybe maybe even wipes our mind of some of the junk that's just been going on throughout our day decreases our stress levels a little bit instead of taking that time to slow down we just keep our foot to the throttle and do not use those little breaks in any kind of way that winds us down and so we just hit those instagram reels it's that bucket thing we were talking about regarding the uh emptying versus uh filling the bucket and i i truly think that the way the short form dopamine works uh it's not, it's not helping. Um, and, and this is something that I've been talking about with people who I make videos with and I have calls with people, um, and like you, we call them YouTube masterminds or whatever, but where people are talking about reels. I'm not going to say whether people want to do it or not. Uh, but for me personally, my perspective on it is this, I make self-help content. I make productivity app content. I talk about time efficiency. I talk about living a more intentional life. I have a podcast with you where I do the same thing. I can't make, I can't make shorts. It's just, it is just morally against everything that I, that, that I, I'd be contradicting everything. And I, I don't want to do that, even though this is really sad. A lot of people don't know this. I don't know if the average person knows this because I see YouTube in a different lens since I'm a part of the partner program. I get like ads from YouTube that like, or little pop-ups that tell me what to do kind of in, in weird ways. They're trying to force shorts down our throat right now. Like they're putting up uh, these little pop-ups everywhere on the YouTube studio saying, hey, we have more money added to the YouTube shorts fund where if you make YouTube shorts, you're going to make a higher rate on shorts than you did previously and possibly more than your long form content. And I'm like, yo, this is messed up. I was actually going to bring up this point because I, maybe I've brought this point up before for people in the self-help community. It seems like we need to adapt to the new technologies in order to create outreach. And when you see people like Ryan Holiday on TikTok and Ali Abdal making YouTube shorts, how do we reconcile with the fact that these people who are putting out content that's about being intentional and being good with your time and yet feeding into the things that we've deemed almost objectively bad being the algorithm and short form content it does seem to be the the two the, the two signs that you need to be avoiding this platform or at least i don't know you don't want to do that fallacy that just because part of it's bad that all of it's bad but 
when a larger majority of it hinges on that. And then we have content creators using those platforms. How do you reconcile with that? It's hard. Uh, there's two sides to the argument, where, which I respect both sides. It's just my opinion of what I want to do. Uh, not Ryan Holiday specifically, uh, but someone I've heard in the space talk about, well, yes, it's doing that. However, I am filling more of that space with stuff that will then stop them from being on the space. So I'm like, sure, I guess. I mean, there, there's a fair argument there. I'm not going to, but there's, there's a standpoint where it's like, I don't know. Um, there, I don't know if you know this, but more views now are YouTube shorts views than our long form views. It's like they surpassed it. And I'm over here like, oh my God, what is going on? We're going to go into a short form spiral. And I don't know if the content we're going to make is going to work. Now, as you know, the never let the future disturb you. You will meet it with the same weapons of reason as you are armed with currently Marcus Aurelius. But <laughs> the thing is, just, yeah, you know, Marcus Aurelius meditation. Uh, but the thing, what we have to understand is standing up against it by not doing it, in my opinion, is showcasing more of where I stand in the circumstance. Cause in, the, in my opinion, Unless every single short you make is like, hey, get off shorts. It's a cop out. I definitely agree with that. I don't like, it's a I don't buy that Cause, argument. Because if you say it once, guess what? People watch shorts for like 20 seconds, brother. They're going to go to the next one. But you got to say it every time. Yeah, exactly. Like how many times and... there's There's been ads for longer time than the time of short form content on like TikTok and Instagram reels. There's been ads that have said like something to break that fourth wall where it's like, stop watching TV, go outside and like do this. How often does anyone act on those call to actions? Cause I know for me, I never have. If, if I'm watching Minimum. the football game and some ad goes and tells me to go get some exercise outside or like go buy this thing, I never do it. I'm just going to continue doing what I do because I'm enthralled by the content I'm consuming. And so with a short, that doesn't seem to change. I don't buy this argument that people are infiltrating onto the inside and being a savior and pulling people out of this plague or, I don't know, addiction of short-term content. Yeah, that's a great point. And I think another thing to point out is this. And granted, it's a, it's a similar argument to the whole um, can a third party ever win anything in the U.S.? Uh, however... I mean, with he with this here, it's hard. Uh, if everyone stopped making short form content, the entities that be would stop giving a platform to put short form content out there. So if everyone does that, it stops it. If a, if some people put say get off of it, the rate of them listening to you is lower, <laughs> obviously, than if literally the the platform did not exist. So that's my argument. Um, mm -hmm. granted unreasonable for everyone to stop making it I just think impacting people in long form content and telling them like you know in a storytelling way please please don't listen to watch that stuff they'll be they'll be less likely to go on there and it's it's hard uh, there there's a lot of people who who I really respect I really respect Ryan Holiday like he is my favorite author at the moment I listen to his podcast every day and he's a, he seems like a genuinely good guy. I'm not saying he's a bad person for doing this. I'm just saying I wouldn't do it. And honestly, it's gonna be a weird reference, but when it comes to digital minimalism and the right side of what you should do, if Cal Newport started doing this, I would shut up. Yeah. He, he seems to be the, the pinnacle standard. authority. Yeah. He is the standard for this conversation of, what is intentional and what's good. And I doubt now that we're reading deep work, I can't imagine he would um, get onto the Instagram reels or TikTok short form content. But um, transitioning to another part of this argument. Um, so you say that we peaked as a technology in terms of social media and business technology in 2008. I think mm -hmm. of two examples that came out after 2008 and actually showed a lot of value, a lot of utility, 
And um, I'm curious what you think about these. So the first one, incredibly obvious as the, the pandemic rages on, but Zoom, 2012. Do you yeah. think that we had, in, we had the email before 2012 and the email seemed to be one of the best things that came out of the digital, like the whole creation of the internet and digitalization of the business world. Do you think Zoom justifies it enough with its utility you know it's pretty great uh i'm not gonna lie but i I gotta look up whether there was video conferencing options beforehand um maybe it's just the way that we i don't know maybe i gotta tweak the argument is the argument more we peaked in 2008 as a sense of you uh personal i don't know but zoom has been personal utility like we're doing this right now due to zoom i gotta give it credit I got to look into, I'd have to look into when was the first software made that allowed for this circumstance? Because I don't know when FaceTime was invented. When was, uh, you see the thing is, I'm going to talk about this in a sec, but I, the iPhone came out in 2007. I don't think it immediately had FaceTime. Um, no, there's when no way. was the first video conference call app created? What? 1968? What are you talking about? <laughs> what the heck is this internet? The first video call was conducted in 1970. Okay. What? But for the average consumers. I found an article that goes through the... Uh, what? 2007? No, sorry. Two, sorry. Uh, 1970? What the heck are you talking about? The government was FaceTiming decades before we were... Yeah, I mean, it's not fair. Let's find an article that makes sense. All right, here's an article that makes sense. Here we go. Let's see what we got here, man. Let's find. Ooh, iPod video is released. Mm, nah, stuff had come out beforehand. Life size. Something called life size. Um, yep. Life size engineers make very first 1080p video call 2008. Wow. There you wow. go. Wow. That is dope. Damn. That's pretty good. And the other one I was going to say is um, Strava, which I know for a fact came out in 2009. And again, I think this, your your argument, I just can already imagine, is going to be something where Strava has high utility. <laughs> it doesn't have an algorithm. It doesn't deliver ads at all. One of my favorite things about Strava is that they rely solely on subscriptions in order to, and they also sell people's data. That's another argument, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but they mostly are relying on subscriptions and they offer a high level of utility. In my opinion, I think anyone who exercises, especially if you're an endurance athlete, the ability to map out routes, discover routes, track your mileage, track your shoe usage, look at your heart rate data and other stats. It offers yeah. an undoubtable amount of utility, and it came after 2008. But I think the argument might need to re- be refined to the age of algorithm, because that seems to be the real disease in this whole issue. Yeah, the, the age of algorithms, the age of ads that can be tailored toward behavioral um, tendencies. So 2009 Strava came out. Yeah, you, yeah, you, you would pick something that's right after. No, uh, honestly, Strava is a great app. I, I don't use it nearly as much as I, I, I could. Uh, it, it has all the data there, and you can totally avoid. The, I really like the fact that you can totally avoid the algorithm part of it. Um, granted, there are a lot of extensions that exist on YouTube and whatnot that could do the same thing. But like it's built in. There's no there's no need for you to do anything but look at your own stuff or manually look up friends, looking up routes. I think, you know, maybe my argument just got to be adjusted to uh, the whole behavioral based uh, algorithms and marketing. You know, we peaked before that came out, and and I guess apps that don't include that stuff are excluded. You know, Notion like productivity apps are obviously excluded from this argument. I think it's. Um, hard to argue like oh notion has negative utility because there's no distraction uh that's coming from it uh but i think my main thing here is this 
if I don't want to be rude, I'm trying to think of a way to word this. If somebody's using Strava consistently, they're intentional about the fact that they want to be in shape, right? That's uh, that's pretty true. There are some so people like they're intentional people. Yeah, yeah, that's so, yeah, that's true. Strava has some scrollability to it, but in all the years that they have had Strava, I still think that they don't want it to be a like a a scrolling like social media first because you still can't unlike an activity. Ever since 2009, if you give kudos on something, there is no going back. I don't know any social media like that that still exists. Like you can I didn't even always, know that was a thing. Yeah, if you like something, you cannot unlike it. Name another That's app hilarious. where you can do that. I, I think that they keep that feature because they don't want it to be a social media first. They want it to be something between the user, the, the athlete, the runner, whatever, and the app itself, not between athletes yeah like i just gave you a kudo and it it can't let me undo it i didn't even know that (laughs) yeah i'm a bit of a strava nerd so i do notice these things but um yeah you're definitely right like notion is another great example when did notion come out do you know what year that was i think it's like 2016 i'm gonna google it though because i don't want to be wrong i know it actually was a failing startup uh but like had a huge (laughs) research thank god for thomas frank um I definitely think it's been around for at least five years. Uh, Notion. How long has Notion been around? It's been around since 2016. Yep. Nice. And so I know you had brought up the um, our 30-day challenge that is pending for when we're going to get our screen time down to um, probably two hours, but that almost sounds soft. Maybe we'll do 90 minutes a day. Oh, 90 minutes would be hard. Um, It's going to be hard, but I want to do it. I think when I begin this process, I'm going to have to deploy some of the strategies of Cal Newport's digital minimalism. And I might make my filters because one of the issues, one of the critiques of digital minimalism in my eyes is he does an okay job at best of telling you how to filter out apps and... Of course, that's person to person. What you find value in is going to be different. But I don't think he... I I wish he had set some kind of general parameters so that people are able to actualize on his message and create something that makes sense, something that's going to be relatable in terms of like, yeah, like, I don't know, like like self-branding is really important to me. So I want apps that can do this or like what have you. So for me... I think from this conversation and this whole argument, a couple of things that I'm definitely going to be avoiding in this challenge is anything that is riddled with algorithmic tendencies. Fair. At least to a large degree. Like, like I say, I think I probably, I haven't had Twitter in like two years, but I'm like about to revamp mine, but I think I'll hold off until after this whole challenge. But Twitter doesn't really, it doesn't have a huge amount of, algorithm i really just want to avoid the scrollability of it but i think that i need to look out for and then short form content above all else needs to be avoided but i think those will be my parameters those will be my filters for um when we get into this challenge that's very smart i think that's the route you should probably go i was thinking about this just now um i looked at my screen time wasn't wasn't ignoring you if you saw my eyes darting down uh i was looking at my screen time YouTube's a lot of it, you know, uh, not the same addiction I used to have where I had listened to, to in the background, but now I have the whole like engaging with the community strategy. Right. And that's taken up like a lot of time. My average, when I take that out, uh, screen time wise goes from like five and a half to like three and a half. Uh, so that tells you how much time I got. It's like, wow. Uh, I really going to have to figure out during this time frame, Like, honestly, that might be the only thing that and responding to urgent texts might be the only thing I do on my phone for the, like, cause that, that matters to me a lot right now. And see, and I think this is, and this is a, a different argument, but this is where screen time for me has become sort of a vanity metric. And for a couple of reasons, one is like YouTube, you cannot close out of the app. Like if I'm listening, uh, like yeah. if I say that my screen time for the day was, four hours but i told you that one hour i spent listening to an audiobook 
which I just had to keep the app open for. And let's say I spent yeah. another hour yeah. FaceTiming my parents or my sibling to catch up with them. Or I you think, used maps when you're driving. Did you know it counts that? Yeah, it counts maps. That's another so terrible one. And it stays open the whole time. So it seems like any three of those instances, and I'm sure we could name more if we wanted to sit on this point longer, any of those instances aren't actually moments of like genuinely bad use of your phone. And yet we knock on people for the screen time. And I think when people try to reduce their screen time, they're not actually thinking, where should I cut off the fluff? They're just thinking like, Oh, like let me not use my texts for a while. Or like, I don't know, let me stop listening to this audio book so that I can, (laughs) or like, can I, let me stop replying to YouTube comments so that I can get my time down I don't know. It's something where I think a lot of people react in the wrong way in terms of fixing the solution, fixing the problem. Excuse me. Yeah. Forest for the trees, right? Missing the forest for the trees. Uh, A lot of people in my, in my personal life, uh, I've noticed, um, you probably noticed it too. And people who start living more intentionally in general notice it like they miss the forest for the trees in a lot of these circumstances, uh, especially when like you start reading self-help that happens. But even before you get into it, like I did a lot of decluttering. I'm doing the 30 day minimalism challenge and I got rid of my old, this is hilarious. My laptop box with like all the, the other small stuff in it from when I got my laptop in 2015, uh, when I was in high school and my family was like, wait, no, you're actually going to need that. And I'm like, I have owned this laptop for seven years. I am never, I have never looked in this and <laughs> I'm getting rid of it. And the forest with the trees, I don't know. You're missing, you're missing the whole picture of like the less stuff for, well, what if I need this for this one arbitrary hypothetical circumstance in the future? No, just, no, just get rid of it. That's the whole argument with apps too. I, I mean, it's it's the exact same thing. You download something, you you buy it initially, and you think, oh, I might use this once in the future, and then you never do. You never open that McDonald's app ever again. That's such an accurate one. The McDonald's one. Everybody McDonald's knows what you're app. talking about. Yeah. You know, if you use the free coffee every day, like Dr. Um, got the free coffee every day when he was at Loyola with us. Uh, oh yeah, from, the Dunkin'. Yeah, the yeah the McDonald's free hot coffee every day and I'm like yes that is a of course keep the app like no for you you walk to that you want that coffee every day for free kudos for users for saving money on that like I'm not gonna you know but for me I never did that so I could always say like well if I walk by McDonald's it's like yeah but what's stopping you from just like downloading the app you have 5G for Christ's sake just like download the app in like 20 seconds and get the free coffee exactly exactly and yeah, you can, the best a nice feature that um, Apple has actually done is being able to hide an app because the whole idea of having that McDonald's app is the ability to you know continue keeping it after the sale and getting into that habit of oh let me go place an order on this app. Oops, now I have to pay for it. Well, good thing I already put my debit card on there. All I have to do is hit one button and they have my money. Exactly. And that's where they get you. I remember when the iOS update did happen where you could remove things from your screen i think i was showing you and i was showing nk and he was like why are you doing that i'm like because this is the best digital minimalism thing ever like you aren't deleting it but you're removing it you're removing it from your view so you'd have to you still have the friction of having to swipe down and type it in and remember that you have the app and it's not in front of your face and it declutters i'm like this is amazing this is this is, this is the best thing apple's done in years and everyone's like, ah, I don't know about that. And I'm like, no, like if you care about your time and you care about your mental health and all that other stuff, like do this outside of like four apps. Exactly. That's helpful friction. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Using it in the, instead of making it obvious, you, you make it, I don't know. What is the word that James Clear uses there? Instead of obvious, just, uh, that's Hide like, it. Uh, make it difficult. Make it difficult. <laughs> make it difficult. Yeah. That's probably it. And so one last point that I want you to get into um, is this whole idea that the iPhone came out in 2007. Do you, you see this as a positive for the whole No, I just see it as another, 
another point. It was like 2007, the iPhone came out, all the apps initially, like that was when we were at peak, like ease of use of phone without algorithms. Like you had a camera on your phone that was easy. You had a touchscreen. You had the text that were easier to use. You had email that was easier to use. All of it was there. Then we, we slapped ads and algorithms on, on the, something that was the first smartphone ever. And I'm like, great, cool. Like all the nice things about this got the utility of tech has gone up at a slower rate than the distractions and the negatives. And it peaked right when that dang iPhone came out without any algorithm problems that it was plagued with. Like if you take an out of the box iPhone with the ability to use the internet, how you can use it on the original iPhone, the text, the email, the photos, the camera, Instead of doing this, with your, my, I'm moving my fingers like in the old-fashioned, like mm-hmm. Blackberries. Peak utility, minimal distractions, and we ruined it. I absolutely agree. And I don't think it's a, um, I mean, considering the short lifespan of the App Store, I don't think it's fallible to say that the majority of apps on my phone came from before 2008, and it's not because they existed for a longer period of time than apps that could be created after 2008. It's just that, like with a lot of things, I think with a lot of, I was saying this to you before we got on, but a lot of ideas that then become like a business model or some kind of dreamline or big project for someone, when you have that initial epiphany, it generates a lot of good ideas. And I think with the internet, we saw this case where at first it was built and a lot of good things came out of it like i say wikipedia reddit youtube things that seemed pretty simple and continue to yield a lot of high value for people i mean you have youtube university (laughs) not actually but no yeah but i know what you mean yeah and like similar to reddit a lot of times i'll look up something for advice on google search and just put reddit at the end because i know reddit will be the best place for an answer and they don't have a search function like that on the app but I don't think it's a coincidence that we had all these great ideas at the beginning and now we're just kind of running the, the natural consequences of it now. We're just like scraping the bottom of the barrel and finding things that, as you say, we can just slap some kind of monetization on it, put some algorithm on it and generate huge margins without the creative content behind it. I totally agree. And I think... A big reason that I switched to making uh, tech videos or productivity app videos a little bit as, as well as the self-help stuff is this whole, it was, our, it was predicated on this whole argument uh, because in my opinion, if you manage to master or at least do better with your intentional living with the, because my argument is that the utility has gone up, but the distractions have gone up at a higher rate. So in that argument, if you're able to what? void out the distractions you're winning the game and you're living a better utility based life and you're having more utility in life than uh if you you know if you get rid of those distractions then you would have in 2008 however i'm just saying for the average person and the average intentionality that people live with that's why if you take like overall person utility you know it's it's it was better then based on the ratio and you know, we were talking about this a while ago. Uh, I got to scroll through our texts. Dang, we text a lot. Uh, I got to find, there we go. We have a like a motto, kind of, what were we going to talk about? We have a mission statement. Mm-hmm. And our mission statement here is leveraging tools and concepts help people live more intentional lives. And I feel like this podcast was kind of all about the theory behind why we think that's important. Exactly. I think it's the theory of why it's important and also how to find things that are actually going to be worth leveraging and making your life better. I think we've definitely laid out a couple different parameters here. As we say, the, the quick burst of dopamine, avoid that, avoid the algorithm, avoid things that generally, generally were made after 2008. (laughs) Yeah. You can still listen to, you know, like anchors how we host our podcast. And I don't think that guy came out after uh, 2008. So keep listening to the podcast. I don't think Spotify 
So there's some stuff. There's some stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Streaming services was actually another one I was going to bring up because I think that's just made life better. There's really no real algorithm in streaming services yet. Of course, they'll always say, if you like this artist, listen to these artists. And I know Spotify has like different mixes and stuff, but I don't see music consumption as a real time sync. I don't see people wasting as much time in spaces like that. I just think that it's archaic that we used to pay a dollar twenty nine per song and now we pay ten bucks a month for a streaming service with every song that you can imagine. Yeah, I mean, I remember the days when iTunes used to charge ninety nine cents a song. Yeah. And then when it went to one twenty nine, I think they pretty quickly had to switch switch to streaming because everyone was just like jumping ship at that rate. Yeah, it was pretty bad. And if you go back and look, I think they still charge one twenty nine. I, I will say, regarding the inflation shift, uh, they they stick into one twenty nine is pretty uh pretty good. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> Not a, that I yeah. It was a bold call at first, but at least they're sticking to it, I guess. <laughs> um, I would ask you one thing before we finish some things out. Uh, what would be three apps you would recommend right now? People get off of their phone in order to live a more intentional life. Ooh, I really want to rip on some things that I haven't ripped on, on this podcast thus far. Let me, let me think here. I, I, I mean, I've, I've, this is one that I just can't avoid, but I don't have it. I've never had it, but I've, as Demetrius discussed, I've witnessed people make identity transformations with TikTok where they have just genuinely become lower productive people and these people admit it too is the scariest thing is they'll say yeah Agreed. i know i know it's a time sink where i just waste my time there but it's so funny it's it almost sounds like addiction that's could be a little dramatic but it, it almost I seems don't think like you're being dramatic addiction. at all like it, it's almost definitionally di- addiction yeah it's like you know it's bad for you and yet you continue to do it so i think tiktok is definitely one um, God, I can't even think of another one. Honestly, I love Reddit, but if you're not on Reddit for a good reason, get off Reddit. I will say that there's a lot of mm-hmm. garbage on there. Like one example I'll use is, um, I initially got on to learn it like about a few different topics that interest me, including like philosophy. And I tried to keep up with politics on there because they do an okay job. But I followed r slash Brockhampton, which is a rap group, and they have a- adapted an algorithm where they'll suggest other pages to you, other communities based on what communities you're in. And with the Brockhampton one, it became, you should get into the Tyler the Creator community and the Kanye community. And I continue adding myself in these are communities. And it just became more and more memes focused around these artists and just garbage takes. So definitely be intentional with how you're spending time on Reddit because it is a vast ocean out there. Um, I don't know. You want to help me on the third one? I'm going to pass the baton to you. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'll give two because one is uh, kind of an extra for people who make videos, but I'll definitely say Twitter. Uh, I think that if any app is predicated on the initial thoughts of what comes out of somebody's mind, it's not a good idea. Uh, the amount of arguments that are caused on Twitter, the amount of unhealthy back and forth that I've seen on there, and the amount of news that gets perpetuated when it's not a real news story or it is a real news story that's, you know, something that just gets spread. I just think Twitter's a cesspool. I, I don't like Twitter. Um, it's not good. And then the last one I would recommend is if you make videos get rid of the YouTube studio app. Is this where the yep. the analytics are? Yeah, get rid of the YouTube studio app. They've made it as good as the computer version. Get rid of it. And I guess the last one I'll recommend is something called Cold Turkey on your computer. Get the app Cold Turkey on your computer and enable the browser extension on all your browsers. And what it does is it you can set up blocks. So I have blocked myself off and I'm not allowed to look at my analytics from uh, five in the morning to 5 p.m. every day so that's helped me out a lot recently 
uh, get something like that. Or if you want to pay for freedom, which is essentially that, but premium version. And you can get it on your phone too. And add some screen time limits and stuff like that. And you'll be intentional. You'll be more intentional than you were otherwise, which is a, which is a win. For sure. I think my third one would be Snapchat, but um, I go back and forth on Snapchat because it's, it's got the, it's a good way to communicate to people, but you got to avoid the stories. I wish I could just turn those off. I just That's another streaks, quick bro. I mean, yeah, yeah. I need to get off the streaks too, but, but the that's vanity. another, another argument. I know it's a Savannah <laughs> metric. Any final thoughts? Uh, I'm excited to do our challenge when we do it. I think it'll help us both uh, understand a little bit more about where we're coming from with, with like how we use our time. And, and if the only time I end up using it on my phone is to, to help stay in touch with people and grow the channel, I mean, that is what I want. There's only two purposes for, for what it should be. Right. I mean, for mm-hmm. me and my personal life. So there you go. Yeah. Similar to me, I didn't expect our conversation to go in the direction of digital minimalism exclusively, but I think, um, we hashed out a, def- a couple different um, root issues with a lot of um, apps that were birthed after 2008 and also the um, age of the algorithm and the, the real issue with that there. So um, definitely going to move forward with um, trying to be a little more intentional about what apps I'm spending my time on and, and being conscious of who's just trying to spit out something from the algorithm. Facts. And with that... This is going to wrap up episode 71 of the Rice Productive Podcast. 72. Wow, 72. We are on our way. Thank you for listening, and we will see you in the next one. Bye. Bye.